Welcome to the APS Soup to Nuts podcast, where we explore the Attleboro Public Schools in greater depth. I'm David Sawyer, Superintendent, and with me today is Tammy LaFleur, Pre-K to 12 STEM Coordinator for the District, to discuss STEM education and Attleboro. Tammy, welcome. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Dave. Um, so I started my educational teaching career in Tampa, Florida. I taught for four years. I taught gifted education in science for sixth graders for four years. Then I came to Attleboro. I was a teacher, five grades five and six for 12 years. I then became a math coach for 10 years for Coelho. And now this is my fourth year as a STEM STEAM coordinator. And through the whole process, I have grown and watched my own two girls go through the educational system, pre-K to 12, and now they're both in college. So that has given me a perspective, too, on my career. So our, our middle schools uh, recently held STEAM Week. Um, and I had the pleasure of observing some of the activities. And I'm here to tell you, I was pretty excited by what I saw. Can you explain uh, this event to our listeners and why we as a district value it? Sure. So we partnered with a company called i2 Learning, who is all about helping out public schools to show students that they have a place in STEAM education and STEAM careers, and to show that for one week, we're putting your daily schedule aside and just a week-long immersion of students in all subjects all day long. Uh, what was unique, I think, in the kids' eyes was that they saw their ELA teacher being an awesome science teacher, or they saw their social studies teacher being an English teacher for the week. Um, one teacher said to me, the best part about this week was I'm so far out of my comfort zone, and that's, that's awesome. I'm loving this. The kids are seeing me as a science teacher. The, uh, the level of excitement in the schools was palpable. You know, both the educators, who I think you're right, had a little bit of discomfort being out of that, that comfort zone, um, really helped to create uh, an environment that was, was novel and interesting for students, and then the activities that were planned were so engaging that to see the whole thing um, going on across the school was uh, was was very different and and uh, you know a pretty understandable success for those schools. Now this was tied into a state initiative. Yes, last year Massachusetts decided to have a week a week designated the third week of October as Mass Massachusetts STEM Week. So this year, we brought in the program, but it will continue in the future, and we hope that STEAM Week continues in Attleboro with I2 Learning. So this wasn't the first time we've done STEAM Week? It's not the first time, but last year it was more um, isolated activities. We visited makerspaces. We put in our green screens into the elementary schools. We had book studies with kids, and we did more uh, isolated activities. This is a culmination this week was of everybody coming together in the three middle schools. 90 teachers spent two days in the summer 
learning how to implement this and feel prepared to bring these kids together. I so, think it was a learning experience for everybody. Yeah, so this is something that we've been doing, but because of changes to the state, at the state level, and our involvement with I2, we made some pretty dramatic changes for this year that uh, by all accounts were a success. Now, the state calls it STEM week, but we call it STEAM week. Could you explain a little bit about that difference? Sure, we've added in the letter A. We call it STEAM week. We feel very strongly that the arts are an important part of this integration. Um, our art teachers have been STEAM teachers their whole careers. They are, they are used to brainstorming, being creative, communicating their work and their ideas effectively in all different modes. So putting that A only makes sense into the word STEAM. And for our listeners who may not understand what STEM means, maybe we should uh, just clarify what the acronym STEM stands for. So science, technology, engineering, the arts, and math. So when we add the arts in, it's not necessarily about making things pretty or coloring, you know, getting out the markers. There's right. there's something much deeper going on with our involvement in, with the arts in our STEM uh, initiative. It's, it's a whole education learning paradigm that we emphasize kids, the integration. You don't have just math learning in isolation. You don't have just science in isolation. These subjects in the real world, in our everyday life, merge together. And so the earlier that we can get students to think this way, I think the better off we'll be. So when I think about uh, STEM and STEAM, um, it seems to me that the science part of it mm. um, really lends itself to the hands-on learning experiences that we're promoting as a district. Um, so if the material itself is relevant engage and engaging, uh, what are our challenges as a district in improving science education? I think science naturally, like you said, is engaging because it's based on everyday phenomena that kids see so they can relate. And when they say, why are we learning about this? It's usually not in science class because they see it happening around them. But when you go to math or engineering and technology, you might not see, I would say especially the math, it's hard for kids to see why do I need to learn this? Why do I need to know this? So the more that we can merge it into the other subjects, it will have more meaning for them. And I feel using math as a tool mm. rather than just an isolated subject of memorization um, will give students the tools to solve problems for their entire lives. Yeah, so science sort of has an advantage in that regard that it is um, about something more relevant, mm. or at least obviously relevant to students. Yes. Um, and yet, I think we both agree that uh, we need to do a lot to make our science experience in the district uh, better, uh, because uh, it's you know been over the the years uh, neglected a bit. And I would put mm -hmm. some of that at the foot of the state's decision to mm -hmm. uh, put the emphasis of accountability on math and English and while there is a little bit of science involved in that it's not every grade like math and English and so as a result it seems to me that um, science hasn't gotten the same level of attention as as math and English and also I, I think the quality science experience like we saw during STEAM week also relies on them having the right materials to support mm -hmm. those learning experiences if we want to have hands-on learning mm -hmm. 
we've got to have something to put in the kids' hands. So it seems to me that another piece of this is that we have a lot of work to do to catch up in provisioning our science classes with the kinds of things we need to, to really maximize the potential in those, in those environments. Very much. Every science teacher in Attleboro would agree with you there. They've been waiting and looking for this shift um, for us to take, and I believe that Attleboro really is. I think Massachusetts is, and I think it's, it's a nationwide issue. Um, but I, so recently I was at a conference where people were there from different states, and I, I heard that in some states the science doesn't even count. In any, so they do test in science, and the scores don't count. So Massachusetts really is, at least we are valuing it in the testing schedule, but more than that, we need to now turn and get the hands-on in the inquiry. So as far as provisioning teachers, it is more than just giving them money or giving us money. We need to get the quality programs into our schools, and I think that's what was evidenced with STEAM Week this year. It's not just about having things and stuff. It's about having quality, problem-based learning going on. Yeah, and uh, I look forward to uh, continuing the work to uh, be able to find ways yeah. uh, to make this happen in the way that we're imagining it. And part of that is you know, doing the hard work at the district level to uh, make this a priority and therefore yes. put the resources behind it, but also using partnerships with some of these outside mm -hmm. groups that want to help us with this to yes. you know, supplement those efforts in a way that's going to make the biggest difference for our students. Um, you talked a little bit about how math doesn't quite enjoy that same advantage, mm -hmm. um, that that one's sometimes harder for students. And it's, you know, ultimately true math is an abstraction, right? So mm -hmm. it is harder for students, especially, you know, given that they're not uh, fully developed yet in terms of their brains. And so abstraction is a challenge um, on, on a neurological level. So it shouldn't surprise any of us that a lot of kids struggle with, mm -hmm. with math and to understand how it's relevant. So from your perspective, where math doesn't have the obvious um, engagement opportunities mm -hmm. that a science curriculum does, what do we need to do as a district to improve our math outcomes for our students? I think it starts very young and that students need to have confidence in themselves and learn to use math as a tool that they can all do it. It is not a subject where some can and some can't. Or they learn if they're not fast enough that they won't, they're not a good math student and that is something that we are working to change because kids can do well and learn math their entire lives. It's not over after second grade if you're not fast enough memorizing your facts. Yeah, I, I've never really bought into this idea that some of us aren't good at math. Mm. You know, I'm not good at running the mile, but that's because I don't run. Right. And if maybe if I went out and ran every day, I would run a better mile. Um, yep. In the same way, you know, people who say they're not good at math, if they put in the effort to get better at math, they would, because we all have the capacity to do math, right? Definitely. We have a growth mindset thinking about this, that everybody can learn math. And you're not born with a math mind or not a math mind. So parents out there, make sure that you're encouraging <laughs> that and not saying that you weren't good at math either because these kids can do it. So what are we doing with the younger students to help uh, build that confidence? Well, sometimes it's as easy as 
using it's watching our language that we use with the kids and never uh, timing them, making them think that fast is better, um, encouraging multiple solutions. Multi the creativity, there is not one way to solve any math problem. It's not about the answer. It's more about the process. So I think starting at a younger age and going right through middle school and high school of getting kids to explain their thinking and share their thinking and talk more about it, and not in isolation. So it's not about who in the classroom is getting the highest grades. It's about the class themselves working together to get a better understanding of the problem and coming up with solutions. And everybody's contributions are valuable and it might not look the same at first, but then I bet there's a way that you could connect all their ideas to, to see the reasoning behind. So not looking at education and math as what they don't know, but more of an asset of what they do know. Yeah, I know with the two math students who live at my house, mm -hmm. um, they often are fixated on just the mm -hmm. answer mm -hmm. without any real concern for how they arrived at it. Um, and it's, mm -hmm. sometimes whether it's right or wrong is even not so much of a concern as just having an answer. And I, I don't know what it is that we're doing um, or what it is about human nature in general that we get so fixated on that, that what you were saying that, you know, not, rather than con be concerned about the process and the reasoning mm -hmm. that arrives at the answer, which is really the, the hallmark of the understanding mm -hmm. um, that we're trying to reach. But instead, by just focusing on that answer, a lot of times it seems that students miss out on what mm -hmm. the what the activity is actually about i think it's unique to math also because mm -hmm. you wouldn't in writing write one draft of a paper and go with it and never think that you had to look back over it and think it through and revise things and i think as a culture we haven't we've gone with the right answer um, as fast as you can get it and that's what makes people smart math students but that's changing so we really are seeing kids and valuing through instructional routines um, slowing them down putting down the pencil until they've had a chance to think through and make sense of the problem first um, before they give an answer so what you might choose and shout out immediately might not be the best the best thinking. So we don't want to value that. We want to value all the ways that kids are thinking creatively to get that answer. Do you think that perhaps the, the technological society that we now inhabit is a factor here? Like I sometimes mm -hmm. wonder if in a world where at the kitchen table my kids can mm -hmm. say, hey Alexa, and then ask her the mathematical question mm -hmm. and she gives them back an accurate mathematical answer. Mm -hmm. are as it's becoming easier and easier to just grab the answer, um, are we having less and less opportunities to do the hard work of persisting and, and working through a problem and that that's you know, sometimes why this is such a struggle? I think I see both sides because it, for those very reasons it could be a problem. But at the same time, what are you really getting for it? You're getting the answer, which is what we're saying, but you're not problem solving. You're getting a calculation, but that's not going to help you in life to solve the problems that come at you every day. So I think you still need to put into that. Maybe the calculator will tell you um, 
how much money you need for the month, but it's not going to tell you where to cut back or where to, um, how to solve the problem of budgeting. So you still need your creative mind to do the hard work. So does, does this help explain the instructional shifts we're always talking about, where we want to move towards more project-based learning, even in mathematics, um, so that we move away from you know, generating answers to problems and more towards uh, exercising the, those problem-solving skills to uh, you know, work through complicated problems? Definitely. So if a student, if we can encourage and nurture that design process, that it's all a cycle and that it's not about just the, the answer coming to your mind immediately and we can um, show kids that they need to think through and put all the ideas and put all the options on the table and work together with other people. And if we can do that, I think we'll be in a much better place than having um, high test scores on a standardized test. Yeah, because there's a lot of research that suggests that uh, the practices that yield the greatest short-term achievement actually undermine long-term learning, right? Yes. That, in fact, the practices that will result in the learning that you'll, that'll stick with you for your life mm. uh, will yield lower test scores in the near term, right? So Very short-lived, Yeah. Right, so short term. In many ways, the state's system uh, undermines the, the true benefit of an education. I think it's one measure, and, but we have to recognize what it does measure. So it does measure where kids are at at that moment in time on that day, yeah. at that hour. But as far as long-term achievement, I think it's more about analyzing real-world problems, brainstorming solutions evaluating solutions and their effectiveness, and then saying it might not be the best, I need to redesign, I need to rethink this. So putting the, valuing the time and the thought that goes into things, um, we're gonna get more, more for our buck there. Mm. Um, I've been to some conferences in which uh, people from industry talk about, you know, the problems with American education and how what we're teaching doesn't necessarily match up with what people actually need to do in the 21st century. And I, I remember in one of them, there was a chart on the, on the screen in which they showed the, the, all the different kinds of math and where they're taught, and then what actual math is used mm -hmm. by most people. Mm -hmm. And the math that we're teaching is only used by a very small sliver of people in the world. And I'm not talking about upper level math here, of course, yeah. you know, the, the basic numeracy that we're doing with the young kids, I mean, everybody needs that. And mm -hmm. even the, the, the math mm -hmm. that we're doing in, say, middle school and early high school is mm -hmm. probably math that we all use regularly. But as you move up into the upper-level math, um, it, it, there's a real breakdown of mm -hmm. what people actually use and what we're actually teaching. Um, so it seems like part of the problem here is, is that the system that we're inhabiting um, doesn't necessarily set us up for long-term success for our students. I would agree. I would think that as a culture, everybody should be more versed in statistics mm -hmm. than they should about memorizing a formula, formula for calculus. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's something everybody needs when they read the newspaper. They're online looking at percentages and looking at elections and all what people are putting out there for, for their statistics. It's very important that we 
we know what that really means and what the background is of those numbers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things that uh, I think is great about this district is that we are tireless in our efforts to pursue opportunities and to, to make the changes we think um, need to be made to improve things for our students. Uh, could you just describe a little bit about some of the things that uh, the district is engaged in to improve uh, our STEAM education? Sure. So I'm going to start as early as preschool. We have a new program coming in this year called Seeds of STEM, where we have t um, ELC teachers going to be trained in this to bring STEM life into every day of their preschool years. Um, we've brought in ST Math where kids have yet another option of problem solving and language is not the barrier for that and they can work on problem solving daily. We have a new middle school math program, Illustrative Math, and that focuses on making math a social subject where it is valued, where kids are having daily conversations, putting their pencil down and just reading and getting a true understanding of what the problem is first before they have the answer. Um, and in high school, I think we're working on saying that not everybody needs to have the same math end. So developing those pathways, depending on where the student interests are, that what would be the best, best math for each child to have to achieve through? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. I think more and more we're becoming comfortable with saying that for certain students who have goal, post-secondary school goals uh, that re will require upper-level math, we should mm -hmm. definitely be providing them the opportunity to learn the math that they're going to need to be successful in college in pursuing those goals. Mm -hmm. But for a great number of our students, mm -hmm. uh, th those math classes aren't relevant to what they need to do in their lives. and so. You know what's the right kind of math for them because neither of us would say that they don't need math. Right. Um, we just right. think that uh, there's better types of math that will um, be more likely to be meaningful for them after schooling, right? Definitely. And colleges are listening to this too and they're starting to revamp the ways that they take in students and how they evaluate what math class they should start with too. So I know that there's been meetings that have merged high school teachers with colleges, state universities, and they're having that conversation as to what should what should students in register for when they get to college for math and not, it might not be about that test that they take that everybody takes when they go to college and to see if their answers were right. Yeah, no, it's it's encouraging to hear because I know that the, the math that I had to take in college, uh, I took because it was a requirement, yeah. and I, I did well enough in it, but i got to be honest with you, I've not used it since. <laughs> yeah. And yet there's been quite a bit of math I need to do um, as an educator, right. and I wish I had a better background in statistics. Right. Um, I think that uh, I would be better at what I do if I, if I had a little bit stronger of a math background in that. So um, that would be wonderful if... Both uh, the secondary and post-secondary levels team together to, to rethink that a bit. Right. All right. Any uh, f final words of wisdom for families at home? Because I know that uh, math does create anxiety for people. And, um, you know, while we both think that 
uh, we should help them to persevere through that. Uh, we should also acknowledge that it is a real thing and that, that we can be, you know, we, we need to do a better job of helping people find their comfort with math. Huh? Definitely, and I think that all those experiences that the families are providing their kids all relate back to their math and their success because they're taking those experiences into the classroom. Um, even if you think it's just a quick trip to the grocery store, um, your children are paying attention and applying what they're learning, even if they don't know it. Well, Tam Tammy, thank you so much for joining me today. The students of Attleboro were fortunate to have you leading these critical efforts. Thank you. Until next time, Thank you to all of our listeners of the APS Soup to Nuts podcast.